Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is Mary Kennedy Thompson, COO of Neighborly. As Chief Operating Officer of the world's largest home services company, Mary spends her days leading the execution of strategies for brands like Mr. Rooter, Molly Maid, and many more that were founded here in Waco. But before Mary talks about how her time in the Marine Corps prepared her for a life of leadership, a quick programming note. Not only is this the last episode of Downtown Depot for 2023, it's also the penultimate episode for me here on Waco Public Radio. After my annual interview with Mayor Dylan Meek that will air on Friday, January 5th, I'll be hanging up the headphones for good. I started Downtown Depot in September 2016 with my first guest, then-Mayor Kyle Deaver. And honestly, I would have never guessed that I'd still be on the air seven years later. Getting to serve the public with my little radio show has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I've always aimed to show truthfully what Waco is and what it can be through the perspectives of our diverse business community. Waco is such a special place, and I'd encourage you, especially this holiday season, to let your local business owners know how much their leaps of faith are appreciated. So thank you all for your support of this NPR station and for the kind words that I've received from many of you. I'm taking a big leap and starting a business of my own that deserves all my attention, which is why I'm closing this chapter of the radio show. It's not because every story has already been told or there's nothing noteworthy happening in downtown. If you are an aspiring journalist who wants to promote the small business owners, civic leaders, and engaged citizens keeping Waco beautiful, I'm here to help you in any ways I can. Before the interview with Mary Kennedy Thompson, let's hear the business review with CJ Jackson. Collective approach. I'm CJ Jackson and this is the business review. Negotiations often revolve around the win-win mindset. Chris Meyer, negotiation expert and associate professor of management, proposes a more collaborative approach for a transformative negotiation experience. Everyone involved in the negotiation wants to get a win when they're negotiating with someone else. But the problem with that perspective is when I'm focused on a win, there's always somebody who loses. Meyer suggests achieving joint gains in negotiations by emphasizing collaboration within interdependent groups. 
This approach leads to higher overall benefits as negotiators prioritize the collective good over individual interests. Negotiators that are focused on that joint gain end up getting more than if they were focused on their individual gain because people are more open. They see that as an opportunity to benefit the group. I can't give up on my own goals as well. I'm still trying to achieve the same goals in my negotiation, but I'm also concerned that you achieve your goals as well. One of the last questions that I ask when I'm done with a negotiation is, was this a good deal for you? You know, is, is this something that will help your business? I make sure that it is something that pays off because if it doesn't pay off for them, they're not going to call me again. They're not going to do business with me again. I've lost that relationship and it's not worth it because in the long term, who do you want to do business with? Somebody who's really concerned with your outcome as well, or somebody who's only concerned with their own outcome. The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. You can hear the Business Review on Morning Edition and All Things Considered every Thursday on KWBU Waco Public Radio. I'm now joined in studio by Mary Kennedy Thompson. Mary is the Chief Operating Officer of Neighborly, the world's largest franchisor of home services. Thank you so much for coming on Downtown Depot. Thanks for having me here today, Austin. I would just make one slight correction. We are the world's largest home services company, period, whether in franchising or outside of franchising. We hit that milestone about 18 months ago. Mary, this neighborly story is so fascinating to me as someone who moved to Waco in 2015. I had heard about these separate brands like Mr. Rooter or Molly Maid or Mosquito Joe, but had no idea that they were all under the same umbrella and especially had no idea that this company was started in Waco in 1981. Now one of the greatest companies in Waco, the only company whose international headquarters are in Waco, Texas. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got involved with the Dwyer Group at the time and what brought you to Waco? Certainly. Well, I'll start by saying, you know, neighborly, we do everything, repair, maintain, or enhance your home or property. And we're very clear in our vision to be so remarkable, we become a beloved household name. That's who we are. And we're very much a values-driven company, which I'll probably talk about later. And it's really a big part of why I'm part of neighborly, because my specialty is franchising. I just am now hitting 30 years in franchising and served in the Marine Corps for a number of years. And when I got out, I wanted to control my own destiny. And I went into franchising. I was a franchisee for a number of years. And it was very, very good for me and my family. And uh, made a big difference to me as a leader. And when I got ready to sell my franchises, the franchisor said, why don't you come work for us? Teach others to do what you've been doing. And I pretty much did every job until I was head of that brand. I was president of a company called Cookies by Design. And that's when I met Mike Bidwell. He and I kept running into each other at the International Franchise Association. And we sat on a lot of panels together. And he said, I've got this company called Mr. Reuter. It's our largest company. And I've been looking for a brand leader for a long time, a president. Why don't you come be the president? And I actually said to him, I said, I'm pretty sure I can't spell plumbing. And he said, yes, but you know business. You understand people. And franchising is about helping small business owners reach their hopes, wishes, dreams, and goals. That's what it's about. And he said, I think you belong here. And uh, I did a lot of thinking about it. He waited six months for me because I couldn't just up and leave the company I was in. I, I felt a big obligation in making sure they were right. And he waited. And for me, personally and professionally, it's probably one of the best decisions I ever made. 
the franchises that you had been doing prior, Cookies by Design, pretty different being in the food space versus in home services, which is what Neighborly does. Were you well prepared to join the home services side? And what were the gaps in your knowledge that you really had to do a lot of work on initially? Well, here's the surprising thing about franchising. 85% of it's the same. The things that the franchise owners are going through, learning how to run their businesses, finding smart and good talent, taking good care of people, being a strong leader, doing the things that they needed to do, that is the same. The 15% is different. That's different is how you serve your customer. And what was interesting between Mr. Reuter and then Cookies by Design, his customer was the same person. It was a woman who wanted things done right, and it was really important to her that she have good service and people that explain things to her. So what I had to learn was the science of plumbing. I, I happen to be a licensed plumber. I, I got my plumbing license over a number of years. It took me four years to do that because it's, it's much harder than people would imagine. But the premise of the business, which is take good care of the customer, make sure that you mean what you say and you say what you mean, and explain things was the same. So I just had to learn the franchise owners and some of the science behind plumbing, which while it's quite intricate, it's very straightforward. What are some of the leadership lessons that you learned while in the Marine Corps that have stuck with you? Many. I've been teaching leadership now probably going on 15 to 16 years. I do it within our organization at Neighborly. We consider ourselves a leadership incubator. That's our job is to grow leaders all around us. And Maxwell says, you know, level five is when you grow leaders all around you. My very beginning days learning leadership started with my father who was in the Army and and every conversation he had with me that wasn't about school was about leadership. Marine Corps taught me, there's a thing called the 11 Marine Corps leadership principles, things that leaders do, everything from being technically and tactically proficient to setting the example to making sound and timely decisions. What I learned was, as a leader, it's not the things that happen to us, it's how we respond to the things that happen to us, and that... Um, and I had some very stressful situations I was in as a Marine leader, and it helped me be able to, on any day, put my arm around somebody and say, it's okay. It's all right today. Nobody died. We're going to get through this. And it taught me um, what I call whistling in the dark. And it's something I think that all leaders need to understand and do. And remember, as a leader, we're here for two reasons. We're here to serve others and inspire people. And because one of my degrees is in English. I never met a word I didn't want to dissect. Uh, the Latin root of the word inspire means to breathe life into. That is what we're here to do, is breathe life into one another. And the Marine Corps taught me how to do that and how to do it in a way that you could get things done. I would imagine you had to do a lot of whistling the dark during the COVID-19 pandemic, where your whole business model is built on going inside of people's homes and performing premium services. And for a while there, you didn't want anybody in your home, even if they were coming to clean. What was the pandemic like navigating that as the COO of a home services company? Well, it's interesting. Uh, when I took over Mr. Reuter, about eight months after I took it over, the Great Recession hit. And I was pretty nervous. And I shared earlier that my dad was very formative in my early years, uh, especially as a leader. And I called him. And he was a three-time combat veteran with uh, Bronze Star, all three with Valor. I called him. I said, I'm kind of freaking out about this, this terrible recession that's coming down the line and how to communicate. 
with all of our franchise owners. And I said, I'm calling you because I'd really like some advice. And he said, you already know what to do. And I said, no, pretty sure I don't. That's why I called you. And he said, as a leader, our job is to whistle in the dark. He said, it's, it's dark right now. It's dark for your people. They need to hear from you. They need to hear from you often. They need to hear you whistling. They, you need to put it in context for them, what's happening and what they can do about it. When someone's engaged and enrolled, they believe that tomorrow can be bigger than today and that they're part of that future. Whistle. Whistle it, whistle it, whistle it. So I did, and we got on the other side of that recession, and we did sessions on talking about what's the difference between cutting muscle and fat in your business, and what does the recession really look like? And so we did that, and then I kind of put that away. I thought I'd never need it again because I'm an optimist by nature, and most leaders are. And then COVID came, and I still remember the day we all were going home because it was March 13th. It was Friday the 13th. My assistant and I, we've worked together for 17 years. And at the time I said, uh, I don't think I'm going to see you for like two whole weeks. I think that's the longest I'm ever going to go without seeing you. And I didn't see her for t- in face-to-face for two years. And I remember having conversations. We had 19 brands going out to literally millions of homes every day. Everybody was afraid. Everybody was frightened about what they might catch, what they what might happen to them or their family. And to go into someone's home in their personal space was scary for the homeowner and scary for our service professional. And I was talking to one of our leaders that said, I don't know how I'm going to tell my service professional how to go in that home. And that's when it reminded me that we, we as leaders need to be whistling in the dark. And the conversation I had with them, I said, well, what do you do when you put them in a car and tell them to drive to the home? Because at that point, I think the second or third leader of death was car accidents. And I said, what do you do? And he says, well, I tell him to wear a seatbelt and to drive carefully and to follow the rules of the road. I said, exactly. That's what we're going to do through COVID. We're going to walk them through what they need to do, how they need to do it, how to stay safe, how to keep the homeowners safe. And so we started, we taught them how to build hand washing stations. We taught them how to make their own masks, because you may remember there, there, was a, there were no masks to be had. We walked them through what disinfecting really meant and how to do it and how everything they touched in the home, what to do about it. And we whistled in the dark. And so I started having conversations across every leadership level about what it meant for us to whistle in the dark and how important it was. We got through it with flying colors because we made a, you know, we we probably sent communications out to our franchise owners two or three times a day to make sure that they had everything they needed. And we taught them how to whistle. And that's what leaders do. They bring other leaders along with them and they teach them how to do that. And uh, what I've learned now is, as leaders, we whistle in the dark every day because it's through change and through disruption and through opportunity. Because opportunity, everyone thinks it looks all bright and shiny. Really, it's very scary looking. You mentioned how the COVID pandemic caused you to operationally institute some new things and all these different franchise brands. I would imagine now, three years later, some of the things that you had initiated, we don't do anymore. But there probably are some things that you guys started doing during COVID that we realized, whoa, this is really better for the customer, this experience. What are some of those things that have stuck around post-COVID that are now just part of the new normal for consumers? We have many customers. We have our end user. We have the homeowner who, you know, wants their home repaired, maintained, or enhanced. And things like disinfecting versus sanitizing, we, we spend more time on disinfecting. We spend more time communicating with the customer watching where we are in the home and respecting that space even more than we had before. 
one of our customers are our franchise owners. They're people that we need to serve, inspire, help grow, inspire them to be so remarkable. We become a beloved household name. And so how we communicate with them, how often, how many times uh, we do used to be, you know, you'd get face-to-face, and that's always the best with anything you do. The second best is face-to-face on a video. We don't do calls anymore. We do videos. We don't, I, I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with a franchise owner that I wasn't at least looking at them and they were looking at me, even if it was through video. We started doing huddle meetings where we were gathering, leaders were gathering together to communicate. We do those more often than we did pre-COVID. It's been smart for us because it's allowed us to move faster. We're a fast-growing company. We have always been, and it's picking up speed. It's like a snowball rolling downhill. It's just getting faster and faster and faster. So that communication is critical. We had mentioned earlier Mike Bidwell and his role in bringing you to Neighborly. Mike unexpectedly passed away earlier this year. And talk about whistling in the dark. There were a lot of people in the Waco community and in the neighborly community in general, very curious about what would happen with Mike's absence and how that gap would be filled. What did you learn about crisis management going through this really tough time in the neighborly family? You know, I knew Mike for 20 years and I worked for him for 17 and that loss was a big one. It was a big one to our franchising community, uh, to his family immensely to those of us who, uh, whose lives he's changed, because he changed my life. He made me a better human being. And most of the people that he, that he saw regularly, he did that, because he, he never let us get away with being a lesser version of ourselves. I think one of the best things leaders can do is surround themselves with smart and bright people and let them run. And that's what he did. He built a very smart team around him, and we were very and are very, very clear on our mission and what we're here to do. You know, we're here to help our franchise owners grow because it grows neighborly and it helps them grow in their communities and we take great care of the customers. The day he passed, everyone on our executive team, we were highly aligned. We knew that Mike expected us and would expect us to continue on and to do it with alignment and with trust in one another and all moving in the same direction. And so we, we gathered that day once we had, you know, first you have to figure out how you're going to communicate because that's such monumental news. And in that communication, there's so many people to consider, the family, the people who knew him for years and loved him and the community and our franchise owners and everything. And it took us five hours of sitting at a table side by side, figuring out how would we communicate it and how do we make sure that we don't leave anybody out or have anyone find out in the wrong way. It was very important. And in any crisis, that's the first thing. And you cannot communicate too much. And then it was understanding, okay, how are we going to deal with leadership? And we all got together. We were very clear. Our CFO, John Shell, he was the clear person who should be our interim CEO. And we sat down and put all of the things that Mike did, and we, we separated out and said, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do this. And we went to the board and said, this is what we want to do. We know, you know, you'll probably go, you're going to put a search on, but we think we can do this, and here's how we're going to do it for now, and let us prove ourselves to you. I always tell people, you don't need to believe what I say, watch what I do. And the board was very supportive in us to do that. And I'll tell you what I'm most proud of. Uh, We, you know, we had a town hall with all our associates the the next day, 
And one of them I ran into in a hallway, and she said, you know, I was part of a company where the CEO died. I've been through this before. And she said, when the CEO died, everybody changed, and it was all this jockeying around and people trying to position themselves for what their gain was going to be. And she said, I didn't see that at all in anybody on the team. You were aligned. You did what needed to be done. You took care of us. You took care of business. You took care of our franchise owners. And she said, I've never seen that before. I think that's my absolute proudest moment in any business that I've ever done. And I'm really proud of our team. And the credit goes to Mike because he built a smart, strong team around him. Uh, he never worried if he was the smartest person in the room. He worried if he was in a smart room. There are so many encouraging stories of lives changed through franchising of these neighborly brands. You get to talk to somebody who lives in Sioux Falls, Idaho, who owns a Mr. Appliance, and they all of a sudden you know, have the, f- the freedom that they wanted, the financial freedom. They have the scheduling freedom that they need. The Neighborly Experiment started in 1981 here in Waco. And to catch our listeners up, you know, this year the company should end with about $4 billion worth of sales. About four and a half. Four and a half billion. (laughs) I need to update my numbers. There are 19 brands that are here in the U.S., but even more in Canada and Western Europe. You had mentioned earlier about that snowball that is going down the hill and keeps on getting bigger. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about your vision for Neighborly and where you see it in five or ten years and how that might impact the lives of everyday Wacomans? Absolutely. I'll start with this. Franchising, in my opinion, is the greatest democratization of wealth creation that exists that I know of. I, I personally experienced it. I've seen thousands experience it. Neighborly is a fantastic example of that. So what we do in addition to taking care of people's homes and properties, is we help business owners reach their hopes, wishes, dreams, and goals. For me, there's nothing better. So when I think about Neighborly and where, you know, our vision is very clear to be so remarkable, we become a beloved household name. And that just doesn't just mean remarkable with our homeowners. It's remarkable with us with our franchise owners and our franchise owners with our suppliers and us with one another. I tell people, if you see a neighborly N out there and you're working with somebody that's wearing that neighborly pin and you're not having a remarkable experience, I want to know. What I see five years from now is that we're still the largest home services company. And what we are bringing to our customers, in addition to the amazing experience, is the ease of taking care of their home. So we launched an app that makes it easier for them to be able to, you know, for me, I'm a homeowner and I might not have a housekeeper in my house every week. I might not have a. I might only have a plumber in once every three years. I might have um, my garage repaired once every five years. I might have you know my heating and air you know every other year when it's the first hot day or the first cold day. But I have someone in my home every single month to fix something, and I just need it to be seamless and and easy to do and. That I see our future is in delivering these amazing experiences, because that's part of our mission is deliver amazing experiences that enrich their lives. And the way we can enrich their lives is by creating the seamless experience for them and, um, and making sure that they don't have to look in 20 different places. They don't have to wonder if they're going to have a great service provider come out and take care of them. They won't have to wait for three days to have someone return a phone call. And 
and that they know that if it's part of Neighborly, Neighborly is like the last name. So the first name is like Glass Doctor, Mr. Reuter, and Shelf Genie, and their last name is Neighborly. And you know when you have a family, there are qualities that you see in that family. And so I envision that we continue to ease that burden for home ownership, and we help them keep their home in good repair without the stress of figuring out how they're going to do it. I think it's an especially clever concept when looking at life expectancy. And I was reading an article a couple of days ago how there are more 100-year-olds living in the U.S. now than there have been at any other point in history. So much better medical care that's allowing people to live longer. And when I'm thinking about my parents who are in their 70s now, I would so much rather pay to have a service come and make sure that their home is being taken care of rather than them having to go live in a nursing home, and certainly rather than me having to get up on a ladder and fix those things myself. I think providing a premium version of all these services that everybody needs at some point is really clever, and the numbers are showing it. You know, there's the whole aging in place thing, and it's big. And I plan to age in place. You know, 70 doesn't sound so old to me. (laughs) And I plan to make sure that my home is set up in a way that I can stay there and be happy there. And most people are starting to think that way. And that's part of the premium service that you know it's done the right way. And we have a number of brands who do aging in place work where they can assess the home. They can look at where you might need bars someplace or you might need a door widened or, you know, keeping your home just in good working order. And I do envision that that will be part of what we're doing at Neighborly is helping those children who have senior parents, very senior parents, who want to stay at home and be comfortable and safe at home that was part of when COVID hit. Even housekeepers, there were there were kids calling us saying, my mother's home must be cleaned. I have got to have someone come do that. We can take care of all of that. And aging in place is a big thing, and it's something that everybody should be thinking about and doing, And because that's not going to get less. It's going to continue to grow. You clearly have a passion for helping people and changing their lives. I've heard through the grapevine that you also happen to have a passion for Waffle House and a particular Waffle House in Corsicana. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how this idea of meeting at a Waffle House and blessing the staff there started? Yes. Well, I I have to tell you, I do love the eggs at Waffle House. I have a passion for uh, doing good wherever you can. And it doesn't take a lot of time and it, it doesn't take a lot of money. It takes the heart to want to serve others. And I had a group of friends that were um, talking one day, and they're like, "We, sh- I heard about this pay it forward thing where you bring as much cash as you're willing to give away. You go to a diner, you have your meal, and then you leave all the cash. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. You don't have to plan that ahead. You don't have to decorate. You don't have to make a bunch of food. So I invited five of my friends in the first, and the, we've done it four years now. First year, we had six people, and I think our tip was 200 and some odd dollars. And I got a woman who, when we gave her the tip, she said, I didn't know how I was going to do Christmas for my children this year. And you all, you blessed me and helped me have Christmas. And so it's about doing good wherever you can do good. So the next year I had like 16 women that came and we had a, we were, did a bigger tip and it has, it has just grown into this thing about paying it forward and pay it now. We call it the piff pin dinner, pay it forward, pay it now. Don't make it complicated. And so this year my husband decided I don't, I'm, I'm not having as much fun as you are. So he did a dinner with the men as well. And we went on the same night to two different places. And in total, we gave $6,244 in tips. And one of the 
cooks that was in the kitchen for Waffle House, his cousin called me and said, I want you to know he came home because he's had a rough time and he's trying to start over again. And what you did tonight is getting him started and he's going to be able to start in the local community college this semester. So I just encourage everybody, pay it forward, pay it now. Last question here, Mary. We have a number of listeners who are going to be enjoying the holiday, hopefully cozied up next to a fire, looking for something good to read or a podcast to listen to. Is there any sort of leadership book or um, even a narrative story that's been really impactful for you over the last couple of years that you might suggest? In the last couple of years, my favorite book has been Atomic Habits. Someone left it at my house by accident, and I decided it was a sign from above that I needed to read it, and it was. Uh, It's such a great book on how to be your best version with the right habits. And, you know, Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. What are our habits that we do every day? And it talks about habit stacking. And the word identity means repeated beingness. That's what the translation for identity is. What is your repeated beingness? And that book really helped me start to hone in on what I wanted to, to do there because, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s now and I'm counting down days and I want to make sure every day matters and those habits I do, they make a big difference. Mary Kennedy Thompson is the COO of Neighborly, the world's largest home services company, whether in franchising or not. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thanks for inviting me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Mary Kennedy Thompson of Neighborly and to you for tuning in to episode 164 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can catch me in between episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Waco Business News and come back the first Friday of January for the final episode of Downtown Depot, where we'll take a temperature check on major initiatives with Waco Mayor Dylan Meek. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.